Welcome to Next Level Healing. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Perry. For 25 years, I've helped professionals, first responders, celebrities, Olympians, teachers, moms, dads, and people just like you achieve their results better and faster than they thought possible. This is where measurable modern science meets the quantum. We're so glad you're here. Let's dive right in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Next Level Healing. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Perry, and I am thrilled to have on our show today, arguably one most famous act. Is there, is there a more famous uh, animal chiropractor on the face of the earth than uh, you, Dr. Jaron Whitley? <laughs> I have no idea. There are lots of people that, um, well, we can get into that. There are some people that um, have bigger social media followings for sure, but um, yeah, I'll get into that. <laughs> so. <laughs> So the reason I found you originally was um, a, a really incredible uh, holistic MD I know in, in San Diego, if I'm remembering correctly. He sent me a video of you uh, doing all these amazing animal adjustments, and it was just like nothing I had ever seen before. And I sent it, of course, to everybody. Um, but I mean, anything with a spine, you you adjust, whether it's a snake, a giraffe, a, a donkey. Uh, uh, how Do you know how many species of animals you've adjusted? I really don't. Um, I, I should probably make a list. I mean, I had a lady the other day, uh, who helps with a bat sanctuary and she was like, I'm going to bring a bat in. I'm like, cool. I have never worked on a bat. Um, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what all I worked on. It was just sad. <laughs> it's just, no, it's I incredible. Know. I mean, you're such a young person and to have, at what point, I mean, I'm assuming you went through regular human chiropractic school mm-hmm. and it was so I point- Oh, are you at, like, at what point did I decide to work on animals? Yeah. What, how did that entree happen to you? When did the epiphany hit you? So, um, what's crazy is, so I, I, I went to actually Oklahoma state university, which is where I'm at now, just cause I had to come up here to work on some horses. Um, I went and I had no desire to be a doctor. I had no desire to, I, I wanted to work in a lab and be a scientist. And, um, after school, I didn't have enough experience with that. So I went back to construction, got hurt, found chiropractic didn't believe in it the very first time I walked through the door. And after a couple of visits, I'm like, oh man, this is amazing. Like the science behind this is amazing. And then I get accepted to chiropractic school after I decided that's what I was going to do. And I asked my chiropractor, um, if you could go back and do one thing different, what would you do? And they're like, man, I'd go back and learn how to work on animals. It's like, work on animals. And he's like, yeah, we had a lady, a lady bring a chicken in the office once and you know, it had to get worked on. And so it made me start thinking like, okay, this is potentially something I could do. And the more I got into it, I felt like I was really led to uh, work on animals to be able to show chiropractic in a completely different way. Um, I can tell you this, this specific moment, but that moment with my chiro kind of set in motion me wanting to work, um, work on them at, in the beginning, like, oh, this could be kind of cool to a, I can give a voice to animals in a way that nobody's ever seen before. Because um, as I'm working on them, I can go, your horse has a headache. You know, your, your horse has this problem. Not that I'm like mind reading or anything. It's just that you can see it in their eyes. I can feel the tension in their neck. I'm like, man, I can tell this horse is really in pain. And as soon as I get done working on a horse and they put their head against me and they just breathe deeply and it's like they're quivering. It's like, I know that I just made a difference. And it, um, I, I, I couldn't tell you the exact moment, but I realized too that I could show people chiropractic and go, hey, look, look at this horse or this animal, whatever, maybe this dog, and it couldn't walk and now it can. If it can do that for an animal, what more can it do for you? Right. Um, so, I don't know, just a different way of looking at it. Right. Yeah. Well, coming from 25 years of acupuncture, I'm also very aware of how well acupuncture worked. Do you, do you work with any acupuncturists? Um, I, yes and no. So, a lot of times it depends on state by state if you're looking at animal chiropractic or animal acupuncture. And so, we work with veterinarians that do do acupuncture. Um, and then on the human side, um, I used to have an acupuncturist in my office and, um, he, he now works at a, a cancer treatment center, which is phenomenal. And so, um, that was like his dream, but we still refer to him, uh, because I do believe in acupuncture. Um, I believe in a whole lot of, whole lot of different modalities for healing, um, in a way that, uh, just kind of complement the body's own ability to heal. Super so. exciting. Yeah. I've been, I went to China two years after Tiananmen Square and studied at one of the top five traditional Chinese medical hospitals. And uh, the science on that and chiropractic is just so exciting. Um, even the science on meditation is coming out um, in oh, sure. now, which is um, very, very exciting. I'm a huge Dr. Joe Dispenza fan and he's quantifying that really, really well, which is is super exciting. 
Um, so gosh, I, there's so much to unpack here. Um, you, you said that you could give a voice to animals the way nobody else could. Um, can you elaborate more on that? Because you, you are a bridge. Um, I just interviewed Kate Solisti, who was a 30 year animal communicator. Um, be very interesting to have the two of you connect. Um, but, uh, can you elaborate more on that? Uh, because it, it it's so heartwarming to see us take better care of these amazing creatures, whether they're our best friends living in our households or um, just animals out in the wild. What what uh, are the lessons that you most have learned from all of these creatures that you've adjusted? Oh, yeah. Um, I was actually talking to a student about that this morning. Um, you know, for us, if we say, hey, look, I have carpal tunnel. Um, I'm going to shake my hands out because that gives me a relief. But whenever we look at our animals, my animal is looking at its paw. Why is it doing that? Oh, that must be an allergy. It's an automatic reaction that, oh, they must have an allergy to something. That's why they're licking. Well, why aren't they licking all four paws and they're only licking one? Could that animal also have a carpal tunnel syndrome or ridiculous syndromes where, or symptoms where they have, uh, you know, numbness and tingling in their arm? Do they have sciatica? Do they have headaches? Do they have, do they have all the same things that we go through? And the answer is yes. Um, we can work on an animal and go, okay, I worked on this shoulder. Now they no longer lick the paw. What if they were having that problem? That's, that's, that's quantifiable. Um, if it's an allergy, it would be systemic. It'd be licking all four paws and, and now they're not licking at all. So if it was an allergy, they'd still have it even after my adjustment. Not, not that my adjustment can't help with allergies. We can get into the science behind that, but it's, it's just showing that those little bitty things where this animal can too have the same problems we do. So can your animal have constipation issues? Can it have all of these different things that we just pass off? Um, and, and wellness wise, um, most people, if, if you have a problem, normally you go, man, I really need to get this fixed eventually when I can't do what I love doing anymore. My car is ticking. I should probably get that checked. Now, nah, you know, one of those, okay, well, you should get there. Well, they do the same thing with their animal. They don't recognize the small little subtle things that are like, this is the beginning, the, the beginning of a red flag that is going to eventually cause that check engine light to come on and something's not going to work well. Well, as soon as we get to a point where like, oh my gosh, my back went out and I can't hardly walk. I better go in. now. I, oh, my car is now smoking. Oh, crowd, man, I really need to get it worked on. We, we do those things too often. And with our animals, we wait until the very last minute when they can't hardly do anything. And then they want to bring them in and say, hey, can you, can you fix this? Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely can try and I can definitely try to help the body heal better. But what would have been even better is whenever you first saw that they no longer wanted to jump on the couch, that's when you brought them in, knowing you you had a problem then, not waiting until you had a problem, you know, a year later, whenever it's progressed to the point where now it's going to require so much more, or you've already caused damage within that joint. Um, kind of think of like the, if you put a rubber band around your finger, if you take it off pretty quick, you're not going to have any damage. If you leave it on for a really long time, you can take it off, but the damage that's already done is done. And it can heal to a degree, but not, not completely because you've already caused damage. And that's the way I look at the body where we can, we can start to work on something so much quicker. It's like cutting that bandaid off immediately, or that, that uh, I said bandaid, uh, rubber band off immediately and allowing the body to heal and never getting to a point where, you know, it's a question of, can you help? I think I might have to euthanize, uh, because we have that conversation a lot. Hey, can you do anything? I don't want to euthanize and surgery is $5,000. Yes, I can. And it's a, not ever a, uh, you know, hey, I, I want you to feel bad because you should have brought your animal in sooner, but it's more of an education thing. People don't realize animal chiropractic exists. And then there's some that, um, you know, I'm probably going off topic now, but there's some, some that don't believe in it. Uh, there's a lot of people that don't believe in it, a lot of veterinarians that don't believe in it, um, veterinary neurologists that I've had conversations with that just don't believe in what I do. And I'm like, here, let's sit down and talk about the science. And nobody wants to. Um, it, or, or even human chiropractic. I'm like, let's talk about the science. Because if you sit me down in a room and want to talk science with you, like I'm a science guy, let's do this and I can show you exactly how this works. Uh, but most people don't want to do that. Um, so it, I, I don't even remember what the original question was, but oh, no, the, no, the that's voice great. I love this. It's, it's uh, the voice to animals. I, I'm able to come and do little things to, to help them in a way that, that just, that, that normally gets ignored. Now, I'm, like I said, I'm up at OSU right now. I worked on 10 horses this morning in the span of about two hours. And as I'm working and talking to the owners, I'm getting to say, Hey, look, I noticed this and watch their eyes. Watch as I make this adjustment, watch their eyes. And as soon as I make the adjustment, their eyes get heavy, their head drops, they start licking and chewing. And you can just see this sense of like relaxation and peace. 
And if anybody who's ever worked with horses, you know, if you see that lick and chew or you see their eyes get heavy or their head drop, that they're, they're in a relaxed state that something is feeling better. And I'm going, your horse had a problem up in the upper neck and it probably, it probably was dealing with a headache at this point. Or man, the jaw was way off and that was causing every time they chew is probably hurting. Or um, you probably didn't notice this little thing that I found here, but this while they're walking is going to cause this. Or you have a pinch here, you're going to go ride, but now that you're riding, you have, you're putting pressure on that area. So it's like if your back hurt and you put a big old backpack on and you're carrying it around and you're in, every time you walk, you're putting pressure into pressure points. You're doing that every single time you're, you're moving your animal around whenever they have those problems. Or with dogs, um, you know, you let your dog jump off the couch over and over and over again or off the bed and your dog is small and it's causing joint problems. Well, you put them up on the bed and now they have to jump off to get down. You're not only promoting their problem, but you're, you're ignoring, you're ignoring these little signs and symptoms. Um, and so it goes back to education again, right? Like, uh, educating people like, Hey, you probably shouldn't do this. Dogs do not normally jump off things four times their height, 50 times a day. You know that they don't do that in the wild, wild chihuahuas (laughs) or, or not that there are a whole lot, but, uh, or, or wild Frenchies, you know, um, again, not that there are any, but they, they wouldn't be jumping off something that's four foot or four times their height, 50 times a day. So quit letting them on the couch, quit letting them on the bed. Uh, sorry, little things. I'm, again, oh, I'm going off a tangent. No, that's great because most people don't have access to a great animal chiropractor. Um, and I guess with any profession, you know, again, 25 years in acupuncture, there's um, some practitioners that are outstanding and others that aren't so great. So how would you uh, advise somebody to find somebody, well, A, qualified in their area? And then my second question yeah. is going to be, what can people do at home so that they um, hopefully, like you just said, don't have them jumping off of something that's huge every day because it's not natural for them? So the practitioner part's kind of hard. So every state has its own laws. Um, mm-hmm. Oklahoma is a phenomenal state when it comes to chiropractic laws. As a um, chi- human chiropractor, I have a lot more um, ability to do things. But as an animal chiro, um, I'm certified. I'm a certified animal chiropractor. So I don't have to have a vet referral within my state. Um with if I was not certified, I would have to have a vet referral. Some states don't allow chiropractors to touch animals. Um, some states require um, it to be done under the direct supervision of a veterinarian in the office uh, or in the vicinity, or sometimes in the room watching what they do. And so it require like it changes. Um, you know, if somebody in Oklahoma say, "Hey, can how can I find somebody?" Hey, find a certified animal chiropractor. That could be either a veterinarian that's trained in animal chiropractic or chiropractor that's trained in animal chiropractic. Um, that, that course, you know, beautifully melds the two together, um, find something that's certified in other States. It is, um, you know, I'm sorry, you can only go to a veterinarian that, that, um, believes in animal chiropractic enough that they want to do it in their office and has gone through the training. Um, so it's very similar with acupuncture. The, the state laws are different and, and, um, and I think in most of them, you do have to be a vet in order to practice it, but, um, it's fabulous that you've, uh, found this this pocket uh did, did was there more you wanted to say on that because that well was i was gonna say more around. there are people that do um there are people especially now on social media because they see the popularity of chiropractic videos and some of the videos can be absolutely cringeworthy but but they drive viewership and so there are some people there's a a gentleman out of uh, germany actually who is claiming to be a chiropractor an animal chiropractor but has no training Mm. Uh, is not a licensed chiropractor. Mm. He's actually a human human massage therapist mm. and is promoting himself as an animal chiropractor. Well, he's right. doing things on videos and teaching people how to do that. Mm. And, and it's it, there's no regulatory body in, in Germany that would say, you can't do this. Mm. So veterinary or chiropractic, because there's no chiropractic governing body. And so he's able to do it. Well, it has become like the new norm that he is, his practice is the way of an animal chiropractor and it's not. And so what it does is it actually hurts and gives us a bad name because the things he's doing are detrimental. The, the adjustments he's doing are not real and can actually cause damage. And so trying to find something certified, like I can't tell you how many times somebody goes, I saw something. So I tried doing it at home. Don't do that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Try, find, finding a certified animal chiropractor it'd be, would be the way I was going. And I'm sorry for that. The long on that one. That, oh, one's, no, no, a, I, I, that one's a stickler. People would ask me about acupuncture. I'd say, well, the good news is, is if you see a bad acupuncturist, it probably will just do nothing. If you see a bad chiropractor, that can be a problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, even, you know, especially for our animals who can't talk and require the sensitivity of somebody. 
that can put their hands on them, uh, like you or anybody that's been doing years of work, uh, people would say to me all the time, well, how did you know that there was like this massive pain point there? And it's just like you develop radar in your in your fingertips. So to that point, um, treating uh, 10 horses in two hours is a lot. I'm guessing that you have developed sensitivity in your touch and um, sensory awareness. You don't look at radiographic films a lot unless, of course, there's a there's a complicated case and you need to see something specific. Can you can you speak to that? Because um, yep. you have a, you have a real gift for putting your hands on an animal, um, recognizing the signs of it communicating uh, uh, pain or discomfort or um, pleasure or relaxation. Um, uh, and and you're, to to do ten horses in two hours is really amazing. Uh, thank you. It's it's been. I like to consider it like efficiency. So um, my efficiency and how I'm working. So I try to. Uh, become more and more efficient so that I, it's less strain on my body. Um, the longer I'm holding a horse's leg up, the more strain I have. And so how to be quick with the adjustment, but also quick in a way that the horse isn't irritated or the dog isn't irritated that I'm doing something for a long time. So if it takes me forever to set up and get perfect and, and then hold it and get it just right and then adjust, I've now put that animal through a lot more stress. And so I try to be very quick with what I do, uh, but not in a rushed way. It is that over time, that textile or text, yeah, it'd be textile, um, try to basically trying to figure out exactly, okay, I feel this and I feel this range of motion. I feel them, I feel them twinch, er, it, uh, twitch whenever I do this, that must mean this. As I move it this way, that means this joint is not moving in this direction. And just developing a, a kind of a honing skill for that. And it takes, it takes a long time. It, this is kind of off. I just started like lock picking, which is random, stupid hobby, just so that I, I'm not annoying my wife all the time. But it takes it takes finesse to be able to to be able to figure out exactly where each pin is supposed to move, and it takes practice and time. And the same thing happens with whenever we're working on these animals that it takes time and practice of going, okay, this joint is supposed to feel like this, and as I move it, I feel this. That means I can only do this, this, and this to it, um, or that means that this problem is here. And this is something I can help or this is something I can help. I feel this laxity in the, in the joint. This is probably an ACL tear. This is something I can't diagnose. So what I'm gonna do, Hey, I'm going to refer you back to your veterinarian. I need you to go ahead and get this leg checked out. Cause I'm afraid there might be a, a tear in a ligament. Um, it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of practice, but I think it's also walking in with, um, you know, whenever you see those people that just know what they're doing and they just walk in and need you to see it. And they're just like, Da, 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 da. And they're just they're just going about what they do because it's so natural to them that they they own it. I feel like I've gotten to that place, and it's taken a long time because the very first time you walk up to a horse, and you're like, ah, hi, I'm supposed to work on you. I hope you don't kick me. <laughs> and, and and now now I feel like whenever I walk up, I actually do communicate with them in a way that I'm walking up and I'm like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, I'm gonna I'm here to help, you know, and it. And, it's kind of that simple, but not that simple. But as I'm talking, I can see, I can see the look in their eyes. I pull my glasses off and I'm, you know, looking them in the eyes and we're, and I'm just communicating with them. Now, horses are, you know, big, big animals. They're normally not super skittish and super easy. Dogs normally just freak out anyway. And so, um, but with a horse, like I'm, I'm working on them and I see that, that look in their eye and I'm like, okay, I know this horse is going to take longer to process this. And so my adjustment speed may be, I may be adjust, I may be fast at adjusting, but slow at moving to each individual segment or the force I use will be different because I know that they're a gentler spirit or they're, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of antsy, you know, then I'm like, okay, I need to do this instead. And as I make the adjustment, like I kind of let them loose and I let them process and think and look around and move their necks around and go, oh, wow, I can move again. Oh, okay. You're helping me. And then I continue on from there. Um, most dogs just absolutely hate me, so it's it's all right. Because how about cats? I'm how many cats let you put get their hands on there? Uh, not that many. So cat cats get mad if you rub their belly the wrong way. So imagine trying to find the spots all that that hurt, right? So whenever I talk to patients, I say, "Hey, look," I'm, or whenever I'm talking to the owner, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna be finding all the spots in your spine in the animal spine that aren't moving, and also those are the spots that are gonna be hurting. I am finding those spots and I'm pushing on them. Understand that they may be upset with me." Um, you know, we may have a bark, a growl, a bite. Um, they may cry because I'm I'm pushing on something that hurts. Mm -hmm. it, and I equate it to like a child having a splinter. 
and they have that splinter long enough that that splinter festers and that splinter becomes painful. Hey, I'm going to work on this and it's going to hurt. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get the splinter out and it's going to hurt for a second because I have to work that tissue to get the splinter and remove it. But once I do, the body can start healing. And a lot of times the animal owners bring them to me whenever they are already in a lot of pain. And so now I'm like, okay, I'm your animal's already in pain and now I have to work on that area. So it's a, it's a little different in finding now, not what am I finding that makes us feel better, but what am I finding that's hurting? And I know I have to work through it. So where's the most painful spot and I'm going to get it and I'm going to hit it and, and we're going to be done as quick as possible. Sorry, I'm going off on tangents. But that's okay. It's so, it's so complex. What is the most unusual animal you ever worked on? I know you draw the line at Mark Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I forgot where I said that, so I'm, I'm glad you caught on to that. Um, I I get asked this all the time, and I don't I don't know. Um, I which worked was on the most surprising species you ever worked on. What? Which was one that you went in and you thought, oh, it's probably going to be like this, and it was like completely different. <laughs> Almost every exotic I've ever worked on has been a sense of like, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to work on this fox and it's freaked out and it pees on me and it sheds everywhere. And, and it's not happy because they don't get handled like normal dogs do. Um, so there's a lot of that with exotics where they are, they are doing their own thing. They're not domesticated. They live with you, but they're not domesticated. They don't have that like loving sense of, okay, I'll do whatever you want me to. Um, so as I'm working on them, they just get mad. They get, they get, they're like, and I'm done. And as soon as they're done, they're done. Uh, which is again, why I didn't work on a porcupine. Cause I'm like, man, one wrong move with my hand down in a quill. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and you've been to Africa and you've worked on anesthetized animals, right? Like lions. Yes. And, so how many of those kind of species that, you know, really are used to not being around humans at all? Um, you have to anesthetize them. Um, and what was that experience like? Cause you're teaching people in, in other countries, right? Right. So um, I've worked on anesthetized animals here in the States uh, with the zoo, um, b- basically just going in and the animal's been sedated and, you know, they bring it in, it's on a table, work on it. That animal is under full sedation, uh, no chance of that animal waking up. Whenever I went to Africa, it was like we went into the wilderness uh, of Africa and these animals are not used to humans. They have seen humans, but they don't have no human interaction. And so it was like, we got the lion down, but we had to, they had to dart the lion and then they had to say, okay, we're going to wait for the sedation to kick in. And then we go and we had to go actually pick the lion out of this, I say enclosure, it was more, it's a really, really, really large fenced area. We're talking several, several, several square miles. So enclosure is like Jurassic Park enclosure. It's, it's huge. So we, we went in and we had to get this lion. Well, all of its lion friends are around us. And so they had to park their cars in a way. They're like, all right, we've got one person on lookout in case lions come up. And, and you're like, what? <laughs> and we had to pick this lion up as it's been darted, pick, pick it up and put it inside this truck. And then they drive it through this little gate. And the gates, the gate was only like eight foot tall. And that was the only thing protecting us from the lions on the other side. And they said, well, as long as we are around the vehicle, the lions are seeing the vehicle. They don't really see everybody. They, they're, they're only going to see the vehicle. But whenever I need to work on the animal, they had to pull the vehicle away so that I had enough room to work on it. Well, now they see me, you know, with their friend on the ground sedated. They were really upset. So that experience was completely different. And sedation by, um, you know, with a tranquilizer, the, tr- the tranquilize- tranquilization basically wears off over time. And so as the lion is coming back awake, they're like, oh, shoot. And they have to resedate it. Um, and so it was a completely different experience and atmosphere. And that animal that doesn't have that human experience still probably doesn't know what I did, um, but better off for it. Now, the, the difference is like the lions here at the zoo, we can work on them and then we see, okay, this lion was having a limp, this and this and this were happening. Now he doesn't. Okay, next time under sedation, we can do this, this and this. Versus in the wild, it's like this animal will never be worked on again. This animal will never be touched again. Um, but we had, to do a, we had to do a procedure on it anyway. So let's go ahead and check its spine. And if there is anything that isn't moving properly, this animal's quality of life, may not be the greatest. Let's go ahead and work on it. So we went ahead and we did all of the work that we needed to do on it. And, um, that lion may have a better life now because of that, but we'll never know. (laughs) Did the zoo start to realize that you're a friend and you're there to help? Do they, do they become any more cooperative or you don't know because they're sedated? 
And then most of them they're sedated. So most of the time they're in their enclosure, they were tranquilized and then they're brought out and brought into like the, uh, the zoo hospital. And so this is a burning question that I have because um, you have a very rare window of opportunity to see uh, domesticated animals and wild animals. And um, one of the last shows that I did was with my mother, who's 90, on the five keys to living to 90 and loving it. What would be your suggestions when you see um, wildlife and um, how different creatures live, what they eat, their lifestyles? What would be your big takeaway for how we can all be healthier and our animals? Ooh. Oh, man. So that falls in like there's a lot of nutrition stuff that I can talk about when it comes to human nutrition. But once I jump into the realm of animal nutrition, I I'm technically working within the scope of the veterinary field, which I'm not necessarily allowed to do. I will say, however, that there's a lot of correlations between human and animal food and consumption in that we eat junk. I uh, couldn't agree more. And I thank you yeah. so much for addressing this because I my heart breaks. I look at the standard American diet and I look around at all the disease and I think, well, of course, <laughs> yep. you know, you, you can't eat garbage all day that's filled with chemicals, with uh, animal products that have been, you know, horribly abused and full of all kinds of stuff and unspeakable lives that these creatures are living and um, ingest that and think we're, you're going to be healthy. And then you put that into uh, to animal food and, you know, they can't even speak up and say how horrible it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's the, um, w w there's a lot of stuff there, there, especially, uh, right now I see a lot of ads for like dog food. That's uh, more like a holistic dog food. And they say like the dog food that your dog eats is something you can't eat. Um, but why not give them human grade food? Now we see things like, uh, we see different diseases we see cancers rise up in animals and we see it as just, oh, well, dog died of cancer. Oh, dog died of cancer. Dog died of Cushing's dog died of this and this and this and this and this. And they want to blame it on the breed, but the common denominator is that they all eat junk food. And so the breeds, yes, can have problems, but I think there's also a susceptibility level there that makes it to where that animal is more susceptible to the junk in certain foods. No different than we have different susceptibilities depending on our nationality or, or our race can have different susceptibilities to different things. And so I would say that nutrition is actually a huge one. The other thing I will say this, which is really interesting. Most people see the dog food, uh, you know, the, they see the cups. I, we have this conversation all the time because I don't talk about nutrition, but yet I still go, your dog is super fat. And every time your fat dog jumps off the couch, it's hurting itself. And I have to ask, how much are you feeding your dog? If I see a chihuahua come in or a dachshund and it's a way, a hypothetical number, supposed to be six pounds and it weighs closer to 19, I'm going, what are you doing? And they're like, well, the thing said, you know, for his weight, we should be feeding three cups a day, whatever. And I'm like, for his weight now, you would be feeding three cups a day, but for the weight he's supposed to be, which is only like six pounds, you're supposed to be feeding like half a cup a day or, or whatever it is. I'm like, you need to go back and talk to your vet about this because you're feeding based on what their weight is currently, not the, what their weight should be. And also they think, oh, well, I fed them only this much, but then there was the toppers and then this and then this and this and this and this. And a lot of dogs come in with lower back pain and I'm like, their, their little bitty spines are holding onto all this weight and the belly is touching the ground. That's going to cause the back to bow more, which is going to cause the back to hurt more. So if you can lose weight, it's going to make you feel better. No different than with people. People have a belly on them. It causes increased lumbar curve. That's going to cause lower back pain. I just went so, through a big thing with my cat because she was having some GI issues and potential UTI issues. Um, and uh, finding healthy animal food is really challenging because you look in the pet store and it's all cooked. So it's got no enzymes. Um, God knows where it came from. Uh, the fillers, the, 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 if it, you know, they're full of animal products. And if those animals weren't raised in healthy conditions and exposed to all kinds of chemicals, it's all going to end up in that food. And and it's not a surprise that animal cancer has gone up extraordinarily uh, alongside of human cancer in the last decades. Sure. So so what does the average person do? I mean, uh, I, I I don't know. Are, are there lines of product? And, and all the ones that are good seem to be outrageously expensive. But I mean, it's worth it because at least your dog animal is not going to get sick. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and my cat does eat a lot of human grade food. I, you know, but I know I can't do just that. Um, she does go outside and rush on grass and herbs and stuff like that, which I, I think she has to do to just get some of that in her system. Um, I do give her some commercial cat food that is the top of the line because, again, what's a person to do? Right. There's a there's a couple different um, lines of thought with that. So right off, as a chiropractor, I would say like, uh, you know, definitely have your animal spine checked. Um, we like to work on animals from the time people and animals from birth. So you start working on somebody and it doesn't mean that the animal has to come in all the time, but the idea is that we, you just went through a traumatic event birth. Um, if you've ever had Frenchie, uh, you know, Frenchies are C-sec, which means they're being pulled out. Um, if you look at a, a baby that mom's going, Oh yeah, it was only like 15 hours of labor. Uh, we had 30 minutes of pushing an hour of pushing, whatever it is. That's a lot of trauma on the spine and the skull of one period of time, Pitocin to that, which is increasing contraction. So you add all these things in, it's going to cause little problems that are, um, you're increasing the weight on the skull or you're increasing the pressure on the skull. And that's going to cause a change in deformation in the skull, but it's also going to cause the um, spine to, uh, be compressed, which can cause problems. So back it up whenever we're talking about animals, if we can work on animals, at least check them at birth and then check them in six months. And then check them again in six months and then just check the spine regularly. We can avoid a lot of the simple problems that occur because people have their dogs jumping off of stuff. They play, they fall, they, they are worked, you know, working animals, they do whatever you can check an animal early and then try to prevent those things from progressing to the point where they become arthritic or, or an issue. The other mindset is that a lot of our dogs, although they are our best friends, we will barely ever spend the money that's needed on them for for uh wellness mm. we will spend the money on them whenever it comes to mm. trying to save them mm. uh but if you could take it instead of feeding old roy uh or, or some dog food that is going to cost you know five bucks for a 30 gallon or a 30 pound bag feed them better quality food they won't have the issues that then further progress to uh you know having to spend five thousand dollars on surgery or whatever it is um so i think there's that care that could be taken i think that the mindset not so much as um, trying to make your dog, you know, your, um, you know, the most important thing in your family, uh, but making sure that you're feeding them as you would feed your own kids. I say that, but most people feed their kids junk. So better than your own kids. You know, most, most people say they, they uh, love their animals more than their own kids. And so they'll do more for their animals than their own kids most of the time. Right. So to give you guys a plug, uh, my cat was actually having a um, not so great day with this issue, um, which I, I'm happy to say is is nicely resolved. And I, I believe through nutrition and um, some stress relieving issues as well. Um, and I'll get into that in another second. But uh, it just so happened that the woman I was doing a process on is is my chiropractor and uh, happened to be here on the day that my cat was showing signs of distress. And she adjusted the spine and she's actually been in CEU classes with you, Joran. So, uh, <laughs> uh, what she, uh, she actually mentioned that animal chiropractic was a thing and she had, had, uh, CEU classes in it. I'm like, great and go for it. I, I, I'm at my wits end and would love to just help her. I mean, I had taken her and had her poop tested multiple times and nothing showed up and x-rays and, yeah. uh, blood tests and nothing was coming up. So I was delighted. And to my complete shock and amazement, about 80% of the problem went away. For sure. Uh, what's crazy is how, how linked the body is, um, not linked the body is the spine, but like how, how everything is connected. And so like you're talking about stress, right? So stress is going to cause cortisol increase. As we adjust the spine, we can actually decrease cortisol. Uh, uh, sympathetic nervous system drops down. That's going to actually increase the immune system. That's going to make the body function better. And a lot of times parasympathetic nervous system or that rest and digest part of the body starts to take over. And now all of those little bitty problems start kind of working themselves out. If you think of most gut issues, hey, we don't have enough stomach acid. We don't, uh, you know, uh, constipation, diarrhea. S switching the body into that parasympathetic mode can actually help correct most of those issues. Aside from, hey, we have a parasite, we have this, we have, you know, outside forces that you can't, that you have to control with some other means. It's amazing how much can be corrected with with an adjustment, um, I, which is which I really science-minded. Yes, which is, I, I help people go into their subconscious mind and dial back that cortisol level into the parasympathetic. And it's true. Most everything gets 
improved once you're able to relax and for you to be able to put your hands on an animal and uh, bring them into parasympathetic is incredible. Um, which brings me to another question that I had because I realized that part of the reason I, I think my cat was having those issues is because I was stressed out. Um, you know, there was just an issue going on and it was stressing me out and she was mirroring that. Um, can you speak to that? Um, because stress and, and, and being, you know, out of parasympathetic, which is where you've got the active digestive system or hormonal system, immune system functioning. When we're in fight or flight, um, when our animals are experiencing our stress, uh, can you speak to how we throw them out of balance? Uh, yeah. So, um, What's funny is as you were saying that my, my thoughts were going to all these patients that I have come in that bring their animals in and they're like, doc, you need to be careful. My animal is just really, you know, they get really stressed out really easy. And I'm like, I wonder why. And, um, I had a guy come so in, perfect. he's a phenomenal guy. He, uh, he came in and the very first time I started working on his dog, I was like, yeah, you like, I just need everything really chill. And as soon as I start working, he's like, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. No, this is okay. This again, I'm like, Hey, you need to stop. You're stressing your animal out. And so the very first time he did that, the dog was flipping out on me. And so I said, Hey, look, I want to try something. How about next time I go to work on the dog, shut up. And, and, and I was like, just chill out. Just let me work on the dog. And I want you to be really, really calm. And I want to see if it changes. As soon as we did that, I didn't have to put a muzzle on the dog. I didn't have to do anything. And, and now, and he, now he, whatever he talks, whenever his, I'm working on his dog, I'd be like, Hey doctor. Okay. So I have a, he's like almost in a whisper because he's trying, because he knows that his energy will, will cause her energy to increase. And I have some people that come in and, and I'm not joking. I've had their dog and they're, they're just like, they're just, they, they're stressed out really easy. So you just got to be careful. And they're holding their face and I'm like, man, just like back off. And I, and I do everything on my own. I don't have staff help me. And if anything, I'll sometimes have the, the owner just kind of hold the leash or hold the collar. That way they at least have control of the front end. And, and then I work on them or I'll muzzle them. And, um, you know, some people are like, no, 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 I have to hold them. Otherwise they freak out. I'm like, you need to get away. You need to go in the other room. Like I'll, I'll work on your dog. I'll let you know whenever we're done because they, their energy fully is transmitted over. And the, what's crazy is the energy of the room can change immediately. So our energy, especially as a practitioner, my energy as I'm working on these animals has to be calm. No matter what happens, I have to be continuously calm. So whenever I walk up to these horses, if you don't know how to work on horses or you don't know anything about horses and you're uncertain, they can definitely know. They can feel your energy. And uh, it's amazing how they'll act with that as well. And then whenever I walk in with these dogs, if I don't have a confident manner, they flip out on me. And at the same time, when an owner comes in that does have that energy, the energy of the room changes. So because of the way my office is set up, we have a very large room that I do all the adjusting in. That way everyone can talk to everyone. Everyone can see what's going on. The animal is in a very large room. So then they're not as stressed out. And um, it's not the vet's office where, and nothing against the way they do things, but like being in a very small room, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. The floor is cold. The table is cold. Everything's going on. It's a very bright, uh, you know, shiny room with colors and the animals are in there. So almost kind of like the fear-free technique, but, but not necessarily. And everyone will be calm and one owner will walk in with a weird attitude and all of the dogs just start flipping out. And it's, it's amazing to see it. And it happens so quick. And the dogs, the anxiousness of the dogs had actually made it to where there are certain dogs that all be like, okay, I need to get you out of here because your dog is stressed all these other dogs out. Their energy is stressing them out. You're stressing the dogs out or, Hey, you need to wait outside. Like I'm going to have you wait outside and let me take care of all these other dogs. I don't care if you were here first. I will go outside and work on your dog or, or whatever, because there are five other dogs in here. I'm going to get bit more likely because you're in here because your energy is throwing the whole place for a loop. And so, uh, my staff know that as well. And so they know like a dog will come in, like you need to get this dog out of here. Like we need to work on this dog and, and not, not in a bad way, but just like you need to work on the dog so that they can leave so that it chills everyone else out. Um, and so we'll, we'll, you know, bounce around from animal to animal. And some dogs are super chill, but they like to really freak out. And so they also go, okay, we're going to work on you last, or we're going to work on you first. Let's go outside. So sorry, really long, really long. No, no, no. It's great. But uh, it's, I see it every day. Random question. Do you think animals are a good judge of character? Ooh, um, they all think I'm a mean, abusive man. So no, um, I, I have 
no idea. I would say yes and no. Um, but they do reflect our energy. Candy. They do reflect our energy. Yes. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Kate Salisti and I talked about this in our interview, um, and she was uh, asked to communicate with a horse. And the horse uh, it had, like my cat, just a bizarre symptom that just was not normal. And the owner had the same bizarre system that assistant. And, and so basically the horse communicated that it was just, you know, mirroring back what the owner was bringing energetically to it. And so the owner said, well, if I fix myself, will your issue go away? And the horse said, yeah. And, and that actually is what ended up getting out. Yeah. We've had, um, so I've not specifically worked with the animal communicators, um, but I did have one person bring a note in and it was just a, it looked like it was on a receipt and it just said, um, she's like, this is exactly what my dog said. And it's like, I hurt left shoulder. Ouch. Uh, I don't like to do this. I like to go outside. I like the sun, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, sweet. And so I work on it and I'm like dad gum, everything that this lady had said is exactly what I'm finding. And then, you know, I, they leave and they come back and they said, oh, the animal communicator, you know, this is the next thing the animal said. It was like, I like this place. We, I won't come back. You know, I was like, sweet. Oh, <laughs> like, that is so cool. cute. But, yeah. But just, just absolutely random. But the, um, yeah, going back to the energy thing, like our energy plays a huge role in how they are, which is why I, we, we went back to the idea or, or the question you had earlier, which was like the, or the, the idea that we have to become really, really skilled at what we do. We have to have the practice and that practice breeds that confidence. That confidence breeds a different energy so that whenever we walk up to animals, we're working on them. We have the confidence that we know what we're going to do. We can help them in whatever way they need to be helped. And they know that. Um, so a lot of animals know that I'm helping them, but they absolutely hate it. Like what, I sit there and let me work on them. But what in your years of experience can we most learn from the animal kingdom? Oh man, there's a lot that we can learn, but I, I, I think it's difference of mindset and difference of react. I'd say difference of mindset. So as I'm working on animals, you can, you, you can see that an animal will get to a point where if a leg is getting to the point where it hurts so bad that it can't hardly use it. Sometimes it's like, you know what? I'll pull this leg up and I'll keep trucking. I'll keep on going. Um, a lot of our animals live with pain over and over and over again, but still do their everyday tasks, still come and love on us. And they still do those things, even though they're hurting. They also, I saw something that also said like, um, our animals, it's like your animal is your best friend for a short period of time, but you're their best friend for your, their entire life. Mm. And it, it kind of gives a different perspective to like how we can treat these animals and how we can work with them. And try to love on them and care for them and give them the best life they can in the short period of time that they are here. Um, but I, you know, that's a, that's a great question. I think I'd, I think I'd leave it at that at the moment. There's probably so much more that I could learn. Um, I'm constantly wanting to learn and constantly wanting to learn from them. But, um, they're, <laughs> I will say this, they're very, very pure to their, their feelings. Mm. If they, if I work on something and it hurts, they let me know it. If I work on something and it feels good, they let me know it. There's no bias. There is no, um, there is no unbelief. There is no, I wonder if this is going to work. It's I hurt you worked on it. Now that feels better. Thank you. And we as humans too often go, ah, yeah, ah, but I'm still kind of, it still kind of hurts. So I guess this didn't work. And then they bail out rather than going, oh, wow, unbiasedly. I feel a little bit better. Thank you. I'll work on it again. Oh, I feel a little bit more better. Thank you. Uh, it, like we, we mask our symptoms and we, we don't recognize those symptoms that are, that we, if we were more in tune with our bodies, we'd recognize the symptoms and, and see them as what they are as a, as a red flag or a check engine line for an underlying problem. Beautiful. What a great, yeah. Cause it's all ultimately about awareness. Um, that's so fabulous. What is um, so if they could give us advice and this will, uh, we'll wrap it up because I know we were getting close to an hour here and I really appreciate it. Yeah. What, what do you think they would advise us? I think they would request better food. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I think it'd be, uh, honestly to not stress so much. Yeah. Like we, we stress out and, and 
you know, there are animals that are just, you know, stressing just to stress, but most of them have a very carefree, chill life and they love life and they, they greet you at the door with, with such joy and happiness every day. Yeah. And it's just like live in the moments um, yeah. and be a little more stress-free. Cause I think about the times I had with my pup before she passed and like my entire life, like I was just stressing out, going to school, going to work, doing all these things. And every single time I'm come home, she would meet me at the door and she'd, she'd just be so happy to see me. Like her best friend was home and I still stressed. And now I look back on it and like, man, there's so many times where I could have just been a little more carefree whenever I was with her and, um, just not stress so much. Beautiful. You know, what? I ch- I'm going to cheat and ask you one more question just because I was raised yeah. with uh, Weston Price and uh, nutrition and physical degeneration. But because of all the wild animals that you've had your hands on and their spines that you've treated and you compare that with domesticated animals, what what is your uh, sensory experience of an animal's physical health in captivity versus the wild? So that's... Uh... That is a good question because there's, there are animals in the wild that don't have to deal with the, uh, chemical exposure that we put our animals through on a daily basis, whether it be through medications, uh, and, and I'm not, and I say chemical as in not like a negative form of chemical, but just says chemical in general. We don't, they don't have chemicals in their food. They don't have chemicals, uh, in their shampoo. They don't have all of these different things that happen to them. So they don't have the chemical stress load, but what they do have is a physical stress load. Uh, you know, an animal can get kicked and they have to live with that pain mm-hmm. for their entire life. Mm-hmm. They have to live with it. If something was moved or I saw um, a video of a wolf that got kicked in the face and broke its jaw off. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, it has to live with that for the rest of its life. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do have to live with those things. And so damage that's done is done, but those animals are so much more fit or can be so much more fit than our animals. And so then they have the ability for their body to function better because they're more fit and they're able to be more agile. They force motion through their body a whole lot more than domesticated animals. A great example is a snake. Um, it sounds really weird, but a snake in the wild has to travel over long distances. And I said long, long distance for it could be, you know, within a mile range for its entire life or whatever, but they have to travel over a distance over rocks, around things, over things, through things in order to go find food, in order to go live. They have to constantly be on the move. Snakes now in captivity, you put them in a container and they stay curled up in a ball their entire life. Terrible. So they're not putting motion into their spine yeah. ever. And so what happens is they, over time, will develop degeneration and arthritis faster because arthritis or degeneration and arthritis happen because the joints are not moving properly, which is not providing imbibition or, or nutrition. And then because of that, they um, they develop arthritis and then they they are all decrepit and and then they get euthanized or or whatever. So the the long and short of it is they don't deal with half the stresses that our animals do, but yet at the same time, they have to live with the stresses uh, that are far greater than what our animals go through and they have to live with them in their entire life. So, um, but half the time when I work on a wild animal, they don't have near the spinal issues that our domesticated animals do because they're more agile, they're better fit, or they're more fit. Um, they constantly move and movement to the same thing for people. So, movement, yeah. nutrition, movement, nutrition. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dr. Jory Whitley, for taking out time from your incredibly busy, demanding schedule. Is there anything else you would like to our listeners and viewers to know about? Um, I don't know. <laughs> see, see an animal <laughs> chiropractor. Um, we do have, uh, you know, our, our social media channels. Uh, it's like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube and all. And we're, what we're really trying to do is just promote more education through those channels. Um, every once in a while, my social media manager, you know, will throw a, a, a video up and it's pops and clicks and sounds and stuff. That's because what people like to hear. But a lot of it, we're trying to be more educational to show people that animal chiropractic is a thing. Um, it is something that, um, you know, you should do, uh, even if it's just for wellness. And the same thing goes for people. If we can work on animals and we should also be able to work on people too. So uh, go see a chiropractor. If you need help finding one, I guess, get a hold of us. And we'll try to help. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I used to share a space with two leading chiropractors in Santa Monica, and we just had a great time together because we would just be referring back and forth all the time. And anytime you're opening up those channel flows, getting energy to flow down a limb, um, you know, 
I'm sure chiropractic also, you know, has been shown to like help people with stroke recovery. Uh, you know, when, mm-hmm. when there's a blockage of energy, getting it flowing again. Um, you know, I helped people with Bell's palsy. I had a guy come in, a young guy that was like that rubber band guy that you had described earlier. You know, he hadn't been treated properly and was, you know, didn't have any use of his, uh, I mean, his leg was getting hard. It was really tragic. And, uh, I massaged the, the heck out of it and stuck needles in it and got him to self-massage. And we got most of it back within a few, uh, within, I don't know, a couple of months. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, getting blood flow uh, optimal and uh, got to have a healthy spine to have that blood flow optimally, right? Oh, for sure. And the science behind it is so vast that we could seriously talk for hours over yeah. just the science and the neurology behind what we do. Uh, it's, it's incredible. Well, I so much appreciate you being here. And yeah, um, I, another thing I love to say is that, you know, animals uh, don't have the placebo effect. So when you see an animal being treated with a natural uh, protocol like chiropractic or acupuncture, um, you know, they, it, it, the, the results speak for themselves. <laughs> oh, they definitely do. Thank you a ton. And um, we'll, um, we'll shoot you a line when we uh, put the interview out. And um, really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Next Level Healing. Please like, subscribe, and let us know how this helped you. How can it be even more life-changing? We love hearing from you. And if you're eager to upgrade your life, click the button here or go to consultterra.com and get your free customized GPS map. Get the coordinates for where you are now and where you want to go. Clients consistently report it's faster and easier than they thought possible. Remember, you were meant for more, and it is available to you. See you right here next week for our next episode.